Welcome to the App Proficiency Podcast, presented by NerdJam.net. Whether you're a new player or veteran dungeon master, we're here to help you add depth to your game. Today on Ad Proficiency, we're on part two of our Wisdom Skills Deep Dive, continuing with a look at medicine, perception, and survival. So how do you feel about medicine? Well, a medicine in the game, I feel, doesn't really have enough in it. So it's a really nice thing to start building other things into on a homebrew stance. Yeah, I feel that the skills are generally an interpretation of how a character interacts with and understands the world around them. And medicine being a skill suggests that it's there to be your ability to very strongly affect the well-being of another, right? And you're not just like changing their mind or reading their face. This is your ability to actually do something to someone in regard to every bodily condition between thriving healthy life and glorious death. However, like you said, I feel that the efficacy of medicine is undermined by the lack of mechanics. And we'll go ahead and jump on in and discuss some of that. So looking at the combat applications of medicine, what do we got? What are we looking at? So if one of your allies is dying or even one of your enemies that you want to get some information from, you can make a medicine check to keep them from dying. Yeah, so like this is the medicine mechanic, right? You can stabilize a downed creature with a DC 10 skill roll letting them skip all three of their death saves, but not giving them any health. You're not getting them back up. You're just stabilizing them. A healer kit can do this without a roll, and healer kits are only five gold, but this could be useful for capturing a creature or saving your buddy if your buddy goes down and you're not able to pick them back up in the sense of healing them. Uh, Other things we can do with this are identify a target's weak points, if any, uh, determining approximate amounts of hit points remaining on a creature, I can see this kind of being insight as well, maybe, but sort of like looking at a creature and determining like, is it it doing okay? Is it starting to look pretty beat up? Inflict non-lethal wounds, or if it's relevant, identify yourself as a medic to to other forces. It might keep them from attacking you just outright, saying that you're a healer of some type. Yeah, how else would you use medicine in combat? Well, um, I feel like that about covers it. There's no real actual life healing mechanics in uh medicine which is kind of disappointing yeah it's like what there's i got medicine right like i i i got proficiency in medicine i got expertise in medicine so like where's my healing mechanic right surely surely, yeah like surely there's a healing mechanic right no um okay what about a buff mechanic Mm. Uh, can i can i buff people with my medicine no no what about uh what about injuries or anti-debuff? Surely there's a couple of those, right? Nope. Anti-poison, maybe? Well, that's why they make the anti-venom. But uh... So they give us an item. Does it have anything to do with my medicine skill? Absolutely not. Absolutely nothing. What about conditions? What if, what if my buddy gets paralyzed? Is there anything I can do about that? I hope you got a cleanse spell, bud. What about save buffs? Can I just take a little vitamin C to help with my con saves? Ah, let's homebrew something. That's okay. So there's nothing, right? Not really. All of this is locked behind spells, right? That's that's utter shenanigans. We have medics in real life that can do all of the above using their medicine skills, and uh, we're gonna go ahead and suggest some stuff over in our homebrew section to sort of address some of this. But these are some of the mechanics that we feel like are missing. Uh, As it is, there are no medicine-related healing mechanics. Other than stabilization, but that doesn't actually heal, it just like stabilizes. There are no medicine-related healing mechanics that I'm aware of in the game uh, to sort of heal your buddies. 
I will say that there are no real diseases in this game either. There's maybe a couple like magical diseases right now, but that one would think, you know, people get sick and medicine would help with that. Apparently not. I think there might be some optional ones in the DMG, but it's like it's not a part of the game that's like baked in. Yeah. So you don't really have to know about that. You're not generally going to use your medicine skill to do that unless your DM actually invests in it. There's a few diseases in previous editions. I want to say 3.5, maybe even third. Uh, those are some of them range from mundane, you know, minor uh, coordination loss to real serious things like you bursting into magical flames. So okay, okay, so that's that's something we can consider like for when we're homebrewing. So Absolutely, sort of spice up and and give medicine a role in the game. Before we get there, let's go ahead and talk about mobility. How do you use medicine for mobility? Um, well, you can offer your uh, medical expertise on a long journey for, uh, with a caravan. That's getting you a ride. Okay, there you go. Sort of like be employed by someone in Absolutely. exchange. Uh, I actually have that. Exchange healthcare uh, for travel services. Uh, I've made a note that healthy animals travel the fastest but they travel even faster on stimulants. If you can find a way to get a, your hands on those, maybe you would know how to apply those stimulants without killing the animals. That's dangerously close to animal handling, sir. It is a little bit close to animal handling. I can see that. It has to do with like interacting with a creature, right? A little bit of overlap there. I, I've also got that you could move through areas that would be taxing on your health. Uh, maybe knowing little medical tricks can help you with those environmental con saves. So like in the winter... Hunters will sip alcohol to sort of give themselves the illusion of warmth. Or uh, maybe knowing that plagued villages, uh, the the plague is moving through fleas, you can just wear like a rubber suit and move through that village without fear of getting infected, you know. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Uh, anything else you want to add to mobility? I think that about covers it. Okay, let's jump into the utility of medicine. Um Again, no reinforcing mechanics, but uh, what sort of things do you imagine you should be able to do with the medicine skill for utility? Well, maybe if someone breaks a limb or takes a critical hit in combat, you can prevent any negative effects, that kind of thing. But Maybe you can set a broken bone. I mean, you'll, you'll have to house rule that because there's no mechanic for it. Wound analysis and diagnosis. I feel like this, um, or, or like examining like a blood spatter or a cause of death, I feel like this might be dipping its toe into investigations pond. I feel like uh, you need medicine to do autopsy-style things as well to yeah, determine a real scientific cause of death as far as anything like that. It's like, like that. a medical investigation, so yeah. there's a little bit of overlap there. Um, identifying substances and their properties, I feel like that one kind of dips into tool checks. So if you have like an alchemist kit, yeah, like I feel like you would, might use that for that. So like again, like it would help if there were things like mechanics, but... Um, Anything else just off the top of your head? Honestly, I think that's about it. I can't. It's got to have mechanics behind it, right? One would Let, think. Let's jump into role play. So, as it is, right? Let's let's say we're not bitching about mechanics right now. Lack of mechanics for medicine means that you kind of can lean heavily into role play if the DM is willing to let you apply your skill and actually give your role play some umph behind it. So, like, if you're saying, like, "Hey, DM." I want to like fix this guy's leg, right? Because uh, he fell out of an apple tree and therefore his leg is ruined for life because this is a low magic setting. 
if your DM is willing to work with you and be like, yeah, you can fix that guy's leg. Just like make me a few medical medicine checks like every day or so, you know, I feel like then you can do something with it. And I feel like that opens up your options a lot for role play. Right. Yeah. Doing minor medical tasks for a village randomly is kind of like a nice gold generator, possibly even resource generator, because they'll be super grateful to you helping out someone's broken leg or broken arm, that kind of thing. Dude, yeah. Free medical care in a medieval setting, especially a low magic setting, has near limitless ability to gather favor, attention, and services in return, provided you have the materials you need. It's a matter of finding the people in need of such care, right? Medical care is one of those things that everybody needs. Everyone gets sick or injured, whether you're young or old, rich or poor, and you can capitalize on that, sweeping in to save the day with your medical skills, especially if medical knowledge or like the sort of advanced education that's generally required to like back this skill up uh, is a rare thing, then that makes you all the more special and you can really make a lot off of that. But Uh, isn't this a wisdom skill, not an intelligence skill? Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get into that in our our gripes episode. Yes, we will. (laughs) (laughs) Um, here's some stuff that you can get in exchange for medical care, right? You can gather fame and popularity as a philanthropist. You could deliver a nobleman's baby. You could offer free health care in order to set up an orphan spy network in your local area, like Varus's little birds, essentially. Yeah. Uh, you could gather favor with the town guard or local faction. You could earn yourself the life debt of another. I saved your life. Now you got to give me back. Uh, or you could just straight up get paid. I will save this guy if you pay me a bunch of gold. Because, like, who else around here is going to save your guy, right? America's doctors. America's doctors. So good guys and bad guys will be happy to have you around. And that makes you a very special, very useful person to have. And it gives you a lot of roleplay potential, assuming your DM is willing to back that up with you. So what are what are some of the implications of having a high medical skill? What prompted all this medical knowledge that you now have? Well, maybe you're the kind type that just wants to help others around you with your knowledge, you know, being yep. able to apply your skills. The, the sense of duty kind of guy. Uh, I've got fear of death or helplessness injury or pain, uh, the desire to want to like do something with that or fascination with the body. Maybe it's, you're just like a purely scientific approach. You just want to know, uh, traditions of old, maybe you are just another in the line, long line of like healers, uh, or shamans, witch doctors. I always think that's cool. Or maybe it was just trauma, good old fashioned trauma, just traumatized you into wanting to be a doctor. (laughs) Oof. Yeah. Gives you lots of lots of room to write a story there. And how would you reflavor this one? Well, uh, maybe you can lay your hands on someone and know what's wrong and administer the proper chemicals Mm-mm-mm. and whatnot. Good old lay on hands. So if your medical ability isn't due to medical expertise, I've got that you can you can understand wounds by touching the wounded uh, in sort of like that spiritual sense, maybe. Uh, a med scanner performs an advanced diagnosis for you, the technological route. Uh, I like this one. You aren't healing. You are magically tearing the wound out and the flesh sort of stitches itself back together as you remove this ugly wound essence from the limb. Uh, I've been wanting to play this one. You're a budding god of fertility and health. Huh. And the medical skill and like a low education setting represents this like ability that you inherently have to heal. Okay. I can see that. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, or I'd really like to see this one. You don't actually have medical knowledge. You just have like a trick for each ailment, like a, like putting a knife under the bed to cut the pain in half. Uh, And you've just got like one of those ready for like every medical situation. And your DM just like gives you rolls to (laughs) to, like actually back it up. Right. Just some old superstitious coot, like just being crazy. Oh yeah. (laughs) Or you're just a cannibal. Maybe you just eat people and that's how, you know, you don't tell anybody, but like when no one's around you, you eat people. Dark. Lots of character abilities or magic can be attributed to super science. So, like, maybe your barbarian rages by crushing a vial of stimulant into his eye, like the antagonist in the first episode of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, Or your druid is actually a scientist, and your spells are actually the result of really aggressive growth hormones. Uh, Lots of room for reflavoring with medicine. There's just so many ways that could come across. Uh, Any extras you want to throw in there? Um, I feel like we've about covered medicine as best as we could. Okay. Uh, A couple of notes before we start getting into the homebrew. Um, some things that are presently in game that can help you kind of back this up. The healer's kit costs five gold, weighs three pounds, and you get 10 uses out of it. As an action, you can expend one of those 10 uses to stabilize a creature that has zero hit points without needing to make a medicine check. Uh, this is great if you like have no medicine or you're just, you really need to make that check in this one turn and you can't take the risk. Yeah, that's true. Um, the antitoxin, as we mentioned before, this is a whopping 50 gold, uh, and it gives you advantage against poison saves for one hour. Doesn't affect constructs or undead. I would note that there's a great scene in Breaking Bad where, uh, and this is spoilers, but the show's been out for a while, uh, but one <laughs> of the characters, Gus, um, takes sort of like an antitoxin. And then goes to a party of like a rival cartel with a poisoned bottle of wine. And then everybody drinks the wine, including him, and they all collapse. And then Gus's guys come in and like save him because he's like able to fight off the toxin. But it's just this awesome move where like you're basically like not in combat, but you're able to have like this huge impact on story using this item. And uh, maybe your DM would be willing to work with you when it comes to dealing with poisons and applying your medicine skill here. This is a great opportunity for homebrew. Uh, And Xanathar's Guide for Everything, there's also the Recuperating Downtime Activity. Uh, Quote, you can use downtime between adventures to recover from a debilitating injury, disease, or poison. After three days of downtime spent recuperating, you can make a successful DC 15 con save. On a successful save, you can choose one of the following results. Uh, And that's going to be that you can end one effect on you that prevents you from regaining hit points. Or, for the next 24 hours, gain advantage on saving throws against one disease or poison currently affecting you. So if you're dealing with poison, this sort of gives you a buff against it. I guess there's more diseases added in Xanathars. I hadn't actually checked through that. Uh, I don't think so. (laughs) It was just that downtime activities were added in Xanathars, so they gave us a little extra stuff. Uh, Note that this is free, and it can be used to provide a buff rather than just a fix, since it works for the next 24 hours as long as it's like currently affecting you. Uh, And then as far as feats go, if you're interested in picking up some healing capability, talk to your GM about the player's handbook's healer feat, or check out the medic skill feat in Unearthed Arcana. The healer feat actually has nothing to do with medicine, and interestingly enough seems to be an item-based feat centered on the healer's kit. I'd actually like to see more item feats like this, but it just sort of reinforces some of that healing flavor. 
And the medic skill feat grants medicine expertise, a wisdom nudge, and the ability to bolster but not provide healing during short rests. And so these are just some of the options you have. But again, like I feel like there's a lot missing here. So should we go ahead and just jump into this homebrew? Yeah, let's go ahead and get started. All right, I have a ton. So why don't you go first? Well, something I really like to bring in from another setting is this really nice critical hit table that I like to play. As far as how it expands medicine, it basically gives you injuries to treat with medicine. Like it specifically mentions certain things like let's say you're attacking someone with a sword and you hit them in the head. You roll really nicely on this critical hit table and you split their head open. And if they don't get a check right away, they'll die within like three turns like instant and if they don't or if they pass their death saves they have permanent brain damage yeah those those warhammer crit tables are brutal and generally uh from what i've seen result in very quick death um my critical hit system is uh for my game we actually adapted the injury table from star wars's edge of the empire tabletop rpg and uh we have had huge success with this. Hilarious moments. Basically, the way the system works is when you make a critical hit, you roll a d100, and based on what you land on, you afflict the target creature with one of these effects. And as you continue to accumulate critical hits on the same creature, you add an extra 10 for that injury roll, like with each consecutive one. So basically what's happening is the critical hits are becoming deadlier and deadlier. And they generally have like lasting effects and this gives medicine a role because each critical injury can then be removed with a corresponding medicine check uh sort of like turning the tide of battle yet again and it i I like this because it makes the game deadlier for both players and enemies uh, which creates a lot more engagement it's a lot of fun when it works for you and it's terrifying when it's being used against you which is exactly what we want and medicine can play a much stronger role in the game when injuries are a thing. As we said before, as gaining and recovering from critical injuries can tilt the tide of a battle. All right, so I'm just going to go on a rant because like I got, I got a lot here. Okay, go ahead. So, so for starters, right, it really, really bugs me that there is no healing mechanic associated with medicine in the game, just as is. So I would like to suggest the medic skill feat in Unearthed Arcana as just a first aid mechanic that is in the game. Right. So as it is right now, it reads during a short rest, you can clean and bind the wounds of up to six willing beasts and humanoids. Make a DC 15 medicine check for each creature on a success. If a creature spends a hit die during this rest, that creature can forgo the roll and instead regain the maximum number of hit points the die can restore. A creature can only do so once per rest, regardless of how many hit dice it spends. My problem with this is that in actuality, anyone can provide first aid. It doesn't have to be like a feat. As long as they know what to do, this mechanic is wrapped up in a feat because if everyone attempted it just because they could, it would throw off the realism and balance of the healing mechanic, right? So my solution is to lock this mechanic behind medicine proficiency instead of a feat. A DC 15 is a respectable DC anyways, so you won't always get healing from this. If that's not enough, make it cost one use of the healer's kit to treat the group. That way the doc of the group has to keep an eye on his or her medical supplies. Note that I personally prefer to tweak this feat so that a creature rolls a free hit die and recovers the roll instead of spending a die of their own and healing for the full amount. I do this for multiple reasons. Uh, first off is the variability of real-world first aid effectiveness. 
you're not always going to like recover for the maximum amount, right? And any hit die above a D6 would then automatically heal for a D8 or more, which is the full amount of bodily damage from a sword slash, like plus modifiers, which is a superhuman amount. Like if you could recover from an entire gash on the arm from a sword like during a short rest, that is incredible. Uh, since this mechanic A has a DC of 15, B is locked behind either a feat or medicine proficiency if you implement this, and C does not heal for the full amount, I don't think it should additionally cost a creature their own hit die. That's a lot of penalties for a small amount of healing. The benefit of first aid is that you're being healed for somebody else, right? Yeah, that's fair. So, why? This gives much-needed mechanical weight to the medicine skill and allows you to pretty much use it exactly the way you think you would during a short rest. Without this, medicine literally has no application during short rests, which makes no sense to me, right? You just can't do anything with medicine, and I don't feel like it should cost creatures like their own hit die, right? So here's another option. Using the healer's kit as an open-ended consumable toolkit. The gaps in mechanics that we mentioned earlier, no buffs, anti-debuffs, anti-poison, anti-condition mechanics, etc. could be resolved this way. In addition to a healing mechanic, I consider this the quickest fix for medicine. So I, I would phrase it like this, quote, A character with medicine proficiency may expend a use of the healer's kit to attempt to treat or remove an effect, with the DM determining the DC of the check as with other tool checks. So like, if you're poisoned, your medic can burn a use of her healer's kit with a DC 7 to give you advantage on your next con save, right? Or just roll against a DC 15 to try and cleanse you of that poison altogether. Or maybe it's that you're concussed and it's giving you disadvantage on your perception or initiative rolls. You can combine medicine proficiency with a use of the healer's kit to roll to address problems as if the healer's kit was just an open-ended consumable for those invested in medicine. I like this idea a lot because you're always prepared. It has that doctor's bag imagery and it requires a little bit of upkeep and makes the skill feel broadly applicable. You can actually do stuff with medicine as long as you're invested in it. If you're not looking at those, a couple other things we were looking at. Um, I pulled some feat mechanics from D&D Wiki. Uh, unfortunately, I can't credit the authors because there's just no way of doing so, but uh, here's one of them. If a creature within five feet of you drops to zero hit points without dying outright, you may use your reaction to attempt to keep the creature conscious. You may make a medicine check with a DC of 10 or half the damage taken, whichever is higher. Alternatively, you can spend one use of the healer's kit if you have one. On a success, the creature regains one hit point and is prone. You can assist a creature in this manner once per short rest. So if they regain one hit point, does that count as the magical healing auto-stabilize, or...? It is... It would technically not be magical, I guess, because you're expending... Okay. Uh, you're using a medicine check or your healer's kit, so it's like a non-magical healing source. Uh, but basically what this is, is if one of your buddies dies within five feet of you, you can use your reaction to stabilize them and get them one hit point back. So they're awake, but they're prone. Okay. Uh, not too overpowered. DC of 10 or half the damage taken. So like stabilization by itself is 10, right? Half the damage taken uh, gives it some sort of scaling, which is nice. It helps balance it a little bit, but you could always tweak this a little if you like. Here's another one. You may make a medicine check or expend the use of a healer's kit to stabilize an unconscious creature as a bonus action. This is like the kind of thing that like I would put in a feat, sort of give someone some way to like make that medicine check as a bonus action actually be active in combat and again if you have some kind of mechanic to allow people to use their medicine in combat 
This gives it a lot more flavor. Okay, so one more here. When a creature within 5 feet of you makes a death save and fails, you can use your reaction to make a DC 15 medicine check to counteract it. Now I like all of these mechanics because it gives medicine more of that much needed life-saving weight and brings that combat surgeon imagery to mind. You take an arrow to the ribs and go down, so your buddy drags you behind the nearest tree and starts controlling the bleeding. Consider tweaking the mechanics, maybe raising the DCs and allowing them to just be part of the game for a player with proficiency in medicine. Or expertise, if you want to put some more powerful mechanics in there, just crank up the DC and make it so only experts can even attempt this. Consider what's already present in the game. A lowly DC 10 medicine check to allow someone to skip all three of their death saves. That's really powerful. Powerful enough to be in a feat, I'd say. These changes really emphasize the need for the group to have at least one medicine-invested healer, and these mechanics also distinguish the medicine skill from the plethora of magical healing available. I will say it's also very nice to have the medicine skill if really you've been through a very hard encounter or series of encounters and you're out of magical healing. There's, that's yeah. how you still stabilize someone when you're out of magical healing. Yeah, man. If, if you're out of spell slots, like what are you going to do, right? This is, this is where you have like that backup plan, that one guy who like invested so that the group would have somebody who had like medical skills. So... What are your final thoughts on medicine? I feel like there definitely aren't enough mechanics built into it in the game, and there's a lot of space for so much to be added to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. If it were me tweaking my game, I would take the medic skill feat from Unearth Arcana, make that a mechanic, make the healer's kit an open-ended toolkit so that my medicine-invested character can do all kinds of stuff with it, right? And I can just come up with DCs on the fly. That opens up their options a ton. And I would implement the critical injuries system because that, one, spices up critical hits a tremendous amount. And two, gives the medicine skill a role in combat in terms of like actually tilting the tide of the battle, which makes it a very important skill to have in your party. In general, without mechanical support to flesh it out, a lot of medicine's utility is restricted to roleplay utility and the answering of medical-related questions. It generally feels like an unfinished area of the game to me. It needs a lot from the DM in order to be the skill I thought it was when I was a new player who knew nothing about the game, and I hope our suggestions have helped to fill some of that gap. I'll leave a parting question with medicine here. What does the medicine skill represent in a setting where a low-level cleric with no investment in medicine can cast Cure Wounds, Healing Word, and Spare the Dying? That's most settings, by the way, since it's baked into the game. Magical healing is a thing, you don't need a medicine skill to do it, and apparently it's easier to do things with magic. The Spare the Dying cantrip works automatically like versus a DC-10 stabilization check that you have to try and make. This sort of suggests something not just about the nature of the medicine skill, but also the nature of healing magic. Absolutely. I mean, it basically just says, hey, heal everything with magic. Like, if you have any damage, counter it with magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so jumping on over into perception. What's perception? Perception is everything that you can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. Okay, it's like your senses. Absolutely. Right? I would say this is probably the most used skill due to its story delivery functionality. And uh, we'll kind of get into what that means in a little bit. But I wanted to ask you, so like perception and investigation, right? What is perception and when does checking a room for weapons become investigation? So for me, perception, uh, let's take the two examples. Let's take that example. Perception would be, hey, 
do people in this room have weapons? You can take a glancing look around and determine if they do or don't. For investigation would be, what types of weapons do these people have? That would be, I feel like that would be the question, like, be the probing beyond the initial, like, spotting of something. Okay. Yeah, I would say as long as you're, like, glancing around from where you are, it's just purely, like, what you can see, that's perception. But if you start moving around or doing anything in order to enhance your investigation or, or like, enhance the amount of information that you're able to receive through that perception, that is when it crosses over into investigation. So it, it's sort of like when your glance becomes a search. Yes. So with that being said, let's go ahead and move into combat. How do you use perception in combat? That helps you determine if someone far away is trying to hit you. Right. Present, approaching, or distant threats in your area. Um, I would add that you can use this to fight a creature you can't see or detecting hidden creatures. By uh, a la Daredevil, the super hearing. Yep, there you go. So exactly. If you can't see something, you can still sort of use your other perceptive senses to locate where it's at. What would you add to this? Maybe uh, even being able to smell where a prey is moving, like with a more bestial character, like a werewolf type character. Okay, or if it's just a monster that like you just in general detect it more using things other than just looking around, which is pretty much an automatic function for most characters. Uh, I would add that you can detect traps with this, and you can perform search checks to visually search for something. I think one of the best ways to use this in combat, and this is another one of those things that sort of requires a little bit of creativity, as do most of the wisdom skills, uh, is that you can inquire about environmental boons. And this is generally going to boil down to, one, weaponizable objects or terrain, And that's going to be things like potentially dangerous environmental details like branches or a corner of a table, uh, flammable or reactive objects. Two, terrain or objects that could be used as cover, such as flipping tables, uh, ducking behind boulders, or even like piling corpses. Three, terrain that can be used to provide a tactical advantage, such as better vantage points, areas of difficult footing, or choke points that grant battlefield control. Or four, terrain that can be affected to change the battlefield itself, such as structural weaknesses or supports, trees that could be knocked over, uh, or just other pathways that could be created uh, to, to alter the battlefield. Consider what's above the enemy, or around them, or beneath their feet, and get your DM thinking about these things. This is... Um, content generating questions are kind of one of those things where like you can almost sort of train your DM over time. If they get used to having players who ask these sorts of things, it will just teach them to consider it in the future. Uh, anything else you want to add to combat applications for perception? I feel like that about covers it. Let's uh, go on to the next part. Word. Let's hit up mobility. Okay. So how do we use perception for mobility? Well, that'll let you spot a path among the uh, branches to an extent, as long as it doesn't dip into the other wisdom skill survival. Of course, of course. Detecting hidden paths or hidden points of access, right? Another big one for this is serving as a scout for a traveling party. Notice threats before they get to jump on you. Maybe if you're downwind from some kind of predator, you may get the smell of it before it attacks, you know. And there you, you go. Know it's there. There you go. Detecting, Detecting threats and therefore... Uh, determining which way to go. Absolutely. Sorry, just dipping into the other senses, I guess. No, no, like that's that's exactly what it does. It's not just there for sight. It's there for everything else. Uh, I don't have a ton of things for mobility. I mean, yeah. detecting paths, that's kind of like... That about covers it. Detection. It's for yeah. detection, you know? Yeah. 
So anything else you want to add to mobility? Uh, no, I think we've about covered it. Okay, word. Let's jump into utility then. Uh, so perception is really like one of these passive use utility skills. You are going to use this to spot things that you're looking for, right? Uh, as long as it's like a, a glance. Yeah. Uh, but See things in the distance more, uh, a little more. Yeah, maybe things off in the distance. I think generally speaking, the most common use that you're going to get out of perception is witnessing important events uh, or subtle acts or acts that happen like in an instant. And and these are often going to be nonverbal things. Uh, and, and so this is kind of what we were talking about before when we were talking about how perception is endlessly useful for story delivery. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the easiest ways for a GM to deliver narrative content. Having a high perception will allow your character to become privy to information such as witnessing an act that may not be able to be delivered through any other means. And this way, perception actually serves you doubly and that it functions the same way all of your other skills do, but it's also the mechanic through which your character witnesses this nonverbal information. And I personally think that low perception checks can be really funny. There's, oh, yeah. there's an element of comedy when your character has to blindly walk into a threat that everyone else knows is there. <laughs> uh, and that's fun for everybody at the table, so don't despair if you dump wisdom. Or uh, Dora the Explorer, where's the ocean? Oh, it's, it's right there, Dora. <laughs> 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 Dora's got really, really low perception. I mean, yeah, she has to ask everyone and, else. And she has is. like this like metaphysical eldritch entity that she's constantly talking to for like advice. Oh, are we talking about the monkey here? No, I'm talking about the audience, dude. Like how oh. does the audience's response, like who is she talking to? Like, uh, you how know? does our answer get back to Dora? Like that, what is she hearing or witnessing that is causing? You know what? We're going off on a tangent. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump into role play. Uh, how would you role play perception? Well, maybe you have the uh, all-seeing third eye so you can detect things coming off. Nice. Extra eyeball. Extra mm -hmm. flavor. Uh, what are some job opportunities for someone with a high perception? Well, like you said, you get a scout, maybe even just uh, oh, a cartographer. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Um, or like an appraiser. I think of like the guy looking through the monocle, you know, studying mm -hmm. stuff. Um, a con man, maybe, who's used to sharp eyes or a thief or a lawman who's constantly got an eye out for crime or trouble you know and i do want to say like kind of tacking on maybe even using this as a quote-unquote off-panel delivery like maybe you don't see something but you hear something or you smell smoke in the distance you know yeah yeah so like an off-screen sort of thing and and like, this again will be this will be one of those ways maybe you've reached the end of the map and this is where the DM is planning on one of the people in the party picking up on like, like you said, like a burning smell. Oh, where is this? And that's how the game transitions into the next scene is based on this perception check. You or, see this. Or the opposite where it doesn't progress because no one gets the perception check. Mm -hmm. uh, how would you reflavor this? Let's see, you have, maybe you have robotically enhanced senses, you know, like the $6 million man. Okay, so like super senses, essentially. Yeah. Or maybe it's not your super sharp eyes, but it's a HUD, a heads-up display that sort of just like points stuff out for you. Uh, I like the idea that it's just luck. You don't have sharp eyes, you're just witnessing the right moment at the right time every time. I mean, in a meta extent, that is true. 
Mm -hmm. There's there's the door thing we talked about where you are being directed by an entity who is sort of like guiding you along your way, right? Uh, and Daredevil, as you mentioned, you're blind and you sort of see by being attuned to your environment. I think it would be really cool to play a monk with like really high perception who is blind but maybe has like 10 feet of blind sight or a something. Tremor sense or whatever. Or, or yeah, or like 30 feet of tremor sense. That'd be super cool. You get Toph right there. Yeah, play a Toph character. Like how badass would that be? Any notes? Any other thoughts as far as perception goes? Well, we've covered it. It's a kind of a self-explanatory skill. Yeah, it's very passive use. Uh, it's generally just like the skill for your senses. I feel like I personally dump perception a lot because like A, I think it's funny, but B, it is just sort of interesting to have things happen to you that you don't see coming. Uh, and it sort of lets the DM like have fun with it too. I would point out that the investigation skill feat allows search checks as a bonus action. This is going to be another one of those unearthed arcana skill feats. This nicely supplements perception since search checks can either be a perception or an investigation check. Kind of a weird little thing there. Uh, the observant feat in the player's handbook increases your passive perception. I believe passive investigation. Uh, and also allows you to read lips. Something very interesting. Ooh. Uh, Speaking of passive perception, let's go ahead and talk about that. I, for one, do not use passive perception or passive investigation in my game because I just like people interacting, really. Like, just having the option to not see stuff. Like, even yeah. someone who's got, if you invest in perception, right, you're generally going to have high rolls, anyways. So, if you don't invest in it, this means like you're going to miss some stuff here and there. I feel like passive perception is also kind of – it can be fun in a sense because that's – to me, anything below that is the stuff that should be obvious just glancing around. Like you describing yeah. the environment, that kind of thing. Yeah. And and like not using passive perception, I guess I, I kind of sort of still do because I'll be like if – if this thing is right in front of you, like, don't even roll for it. Don't make yeah. a perception roll for it. You just see this. It's right in front of you. You hear it. It's a scream. You're, like, 10 feet away. You're, you're going to hear it. Yeah. You know? But that's it. I don't really use passive perception that much. I, I find it more interesting to make rolls, and I just give free stuff to, like, people that should receive that free stuff, like, if, if they're going to detect it anyway. Yeah, I feel the same. Any last thoughts? Um, No, I feel like we've covered to perception pretty well yes perception is a passive use skill um can can be applied you know if you're creative with it uh but i feel is mostly going to be used for content delivery so let's move into survival i personally am like a survival enthusiast i just fucking love that shit um and that's some basic stuff <laughs> not i wouldn't say i'm a, an enthusiast I am an enthusiast, dude. I buy survival books because I just think it's cool. It's very D&D &D to me. This is going to be another one of those skills that, like animal handling, like nature, uh, I guess there's like a common nature theme here, but generally it's more useful when you actually know what you can do. Like the more real life knowledge you have, the more you're like, oh, I can apply this skill this way. I can apply this skill this way. Um and we'll get into some of that. How would you define survival? Because survival as a word is very vague and broad, right? Yeah. What does survival entail? What does it mean to survive? I feel like survival is going to be anything that 
lets you make sure you live in nature really it's like where can i find food where can i find water which direction is north all of that kind of covers comes into survival like mm-hmm. because knowing north knowing your directions means you're never lost really mm-hmm. you know you need to head cer- a certain direction to right. get somewhere the player's handbook kind of describes it as a skill that you use when what you're doing pertains to interacting to a limited extent with animals. It, it Its scope includes knowledge of animals to some extent, knowledge of plants to some extent, and generally refers to how you are interacting with your environment. I guess with the implication being that you're using survival skills specifically. So yes, very broad. Let's try and let's try and clarify some of this for players, right? How would you use survival in combat? Basically looking for tracks while you're fighting, making sure you're not getting ambushed, that kind of thing. Generally when it comes to tracking, right? Tracking is a great example of what you can do with survival. Um sort of those rangery things, a lot of the things that the na- uh the ranger's natural explorer class ability are like it it basically like hand waves a lot of survival issues right that you would use the skill for such as finding water finding food um starting a fire uh i believe starting a fire actually is a dc that's listed in the the dm's guide yeah and if you have a flint and tinder uh, i believe it just like becomes a like that makes the check easier or something like that yeah probably so like starting a fire like typically applying survival skills right um, I would also use this to imitate the sounds or scents of animals to attract or frighten creatures. Uh, same stuff we mentioned for animal handling. It's kind of got some overlap here. Uh, wounded lure sounds, feeding lure sounds, uh, mating, predator sounds, the smell of blood, the smell of urine. Um, but I would also add that something interesting you can do with survival and combat is uh, I would allow someone to quickly quickly create an improvised weapon, Right. Since like I have a stick and turn into a spear. Right. If this skill is about survival and it's also about interacting with your environment, then if someone was like, hey, could I could I break the leg off this chair to use as a cudgel? Uh, I would say, okay, make me a survival check, right? Yeah. If they ace it, they have like a, basically what's like an improvised like mace, right? Yeah. If they roll a low survival check, I'd be like, nah, sorry, man. you It splinters off. <laughs> like, yeah. it just, it's not good. <laughs> Um, or like, could I shatter this bottle into a suitable shank? The difference between a high and low roll is like whether or not they can actually form that weapon that they're trying to improvise. Uh, anything else for mid-combat survival? No, I, I don't really have anything else, honestly. Okay, cool. Let's jump into mobility. So again, this was a lot of that rangery stuff we talked about. Yeah. Uh, we've already talked about tracking a creature that could be uh, used for mobility purposes, of course, in addition to uh, mid-combat um, orienting yourself and determining direction, which way is north. Um, here's a really interesting one. Create ecosystem-based camouflage to avoid detection while traveling. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like ghillie a, suit? Ghillie suits. Yeah. Basically, like I assemble ghillie suits for, for the party, for all my homies. Masking your scent to avoid beasts. I feel like this one kind of tiptoes into animal handling. animal handling a little bit, but this is also like exactly like I'm thinking like Arnold – like covering himself with mud so the predator can't see him. And I mean, I feel like the two are kind of like if they, it, whichever one's higher, I feel like would be. Yeah, the better I would kind of allow either one because it's one of those like weird overlaps. 
locating animal walkways and natural paths going back into the tracking thing going kind of going back into the tracking thing but uh, in this way and especially like growing up in the country right out you could kind of see where like the grass was like parted and the ground was like stamped and there were like little tunnels like near the bottom of trees and that sort of thing where like you could see deer were frequently moving through that kind of thing yeah and these will maybe alleviate some of the more difficult uh, terrain problems that your party might face moving through an area kind of compensating for like not having a ranger in the party maybe uh, or if you are a ranger this is a great way to reinforce your flavor anything you want to add to mobility we covered that pretty well really that was pretty solid okay so let's jump into the utility of survival. This is one of those hidden depth skills that I feel kind of like animal handling. Uh, it gets a lot of extra oomph from a particular dimension of the skill. Uh, before we get into that, I feel like some easy utility things for survival would be like determining how much sunlight is left, purifying food or drink, making water drinkable, that kind of thing. Surviving on a minimal income. I feel like this is kind of a weird one that you could maybe apply to like an urban setting. If you yeah, have like a thief. Absolutely. Yeah, this is like maybe I want to know like where can I get the cheapest prices, that sort of thing. I can see how a DM would be like, okay, like if you have like an urchin background, maybe you can make a survival check to like maybe find cheap prices somewhere, something like that. Yeah, you know? that, I mean that that stands to reason. Yeah, or knowing or maybe finding a fence would be really interesting if you're like a thief, like maybe your survival skill sets you up maybe with like that criminal contact background ribbon ability where you're like, okay, maybe you don't know someone in every city, but you ace the survival role. So your DM's like, okay, uh you know like shady slim over here <laughs> who, can, who can like sell you some some crack or something you know uh, wow or <laughs> or buy your crack you know um uh anything you want to add to this before i jump into item crafting which let's I go like... ahead and uh, get into this item crafting i'm okay. really looking forward to oh, this oh yeah creating a shelter oh yeah yeah Lo absolutely uh, starting a fire without supplies creating a shelter uh, identifying ideal terrain from a vantage point, which I kind of feel like might be might be perception, maybe might be a nature skill check, maybe. I feel like yeah, that's one of those whatever's higher type yeah. checks again. Yeah, like where's a good place to stay for the night? Okay, so jumping into crafting items from the environment. Here's some stuff that you can do. You can craft rope from vine. You can craft a hunting trap from wood and vines. Uh, craft torch from wood. A wedge from stone, a shovel from wood, a hammer from stone, pottery from mud, or create a primitive simple weapon such as a sling, a knife, a stone axe, a spear, a short bow. Uh, all options that you have available to you. And if you ever want to learn more about these sorts of like what options you have available to you, just go out and do some research. What sort of items can be crafted from my environment? Play Minecraft for like 10 minutes. You'll get it in no time. I'll also say, I mean, don't we really use this for, honestly, just finding food out in the wild, foraging for things? Oh, yeah, definitely. Just staying alive, keeping your group going. If you don't have one of those outlander backgrounds somewhere in your party, then maybe you do need to make those survival checks every night you guys are out in the wilderness in order to go out and find sufficient food. And maybe if there's not sufficient food, somebody somewhere is going to take a level of exhaustion, you know, for going hungry for a night, something like that. Anything else you want to add for the utility of survival? No, I mean, that's it's a very utility-based skill, but there's a lot of really what you can 
Yeah, I feel like the more you know about survival in general, the more utility you're going to get out of this skill. And what training animals tricks is to animal handling, crafting items is to survival. The more tricks you know, the more items that you know how to make, the more things you can tell your DM like, well, I've got rocks here, I've got wood here this is a survival thing. Here's how I'm doing it. And most of the time they'll just be like, okay, that's super fucking cool. Go ahead and do it. And I'm sure you'll blow everybody's minds at the table. You know, when you're like, Hey, check out this, you know, my barbarian just made this like hammer. Anything you want to add to uh, survival's utility? No, or, let's, or let's go ahead and move on. Okay. Excellent. So let's go ahead and jump into the role play. How do you role play the survival skill? Where do your job opportunities lie? Well, let's see. You can be that woodland guide that's going to make sure that some hapless trader doesn't die out in the woods while he's making his way home. Okay, so like this is when you're not the ranger class. This lets you just find ranger work and essentially be the ranger if you're a fighter with the survival skill, something like that. Yeah. Uh, expeditions into the deep wild are often in need of guides to lead them, and this is ranger work like that. Or maybe you find scouting work for a mercenary company. Or maybe keeping the woods clear of poachers and trappers. You're not necessarily like looking for animals, but you work in the woods a lot looking for like people or something like that. Maybe a different take. Or maybe your skills help you survive in the urban wild. We talked about this before, using your tracking and hunting abilities to hunt down scummy bounties or uh, knowing like where the cheapest merchants are, who, where the best places to steal from are, that sort of thing. Where to, where to scrounge up food if you're too poor to purchase it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for that matter, you could almost sort of say you could use this in a mobility sense and that, uh, if you are doing like an urban survival flavor, you could almost kind of use this as like an underworld skill, like knowing where to go, that sort of thing, or, um, or yeah, almost in a sort of insighty kind of way, depending yeah. depending on how familiar you are with your environment or what your backstory is. If you're if you're used to picking up this kind of information from your environments, if you're like a lawman, maybe you could say like, I know where the shady parts of town are, uh, based on like a good survival check in a place like this. You know, I don't know something like that. Uh, I can see that working out. What are the implications of having a good survival skill? What does that say about you as a person? Maybe once again, you're someone that just grew up out in the wilds, just surviving off the land. Mm-hmm. Again, rangery type background without being a ranger. Mm-hmm. At home in the wild. I feel like it it de- it depends a lot on what the flavor of your survival is. So yeah. like if you're saying like... Uh, this is the urban survival thing, then maybe you could say like, oh, you know, I, I grew up in urchin. This works with my orphan, or, or I'm sorry, my urchin background. Uh, and I just grew up here in the streets. And that's where those survival skills come from, as opposed to being like a Tarzan type of character who actually grows up in the wild. And that's why they have these skills or being taught from a mentor who like passed along these hunting skills to you, that sort of thing. Uh, what kind of personalities would a high survival character have you probably have this like real gruff personalities a lot of times you like get like the, those the grizzled, grizzled hunters the grizzled aragorn like yeah. sitting in the corner you know um i can also see like the the very like kind of quirky and untrustworthy you hear stories about people who like grew up without a lot of human interaction and how like you know, they're like hesitant to like accept food from you that kind of thing and then you have that elf version where it's just like you know what to do to survive uh, mm-hmm. just because it's kind of part of who you are. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. As far as reflavoring goes, we talked a little bit about reflavoring survival for urban settings uh, because that seemed to be like the, the biggest contrast in the survival uh, category was between like civilization and non-civilization, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and so the survival skills for characters with an urban background can also be interpreted as a set of street skills. But I feel that in in this setting, they almost sort of bleed into other skills. Uh, and that like hunting and foraging for food probably means stealing or scavenging, which kind of feels almost like sleight of hand or investigation to me. And in fact, I kind of feel this way. We'll talk about this a little bit more in the Gripes episode, but I feel yeah. like survival sort of implies a little bit of perception, a little bit of animal handling, a little bit of nature, a little bit of investigation, like just being able to forge. What is forge? Forging is like investigation, right? But, yeah, I, I feel like it seems like you bleed into investigation. Right? Yeah. But like, but it's also not because it's survival. So it's like, but, yeah. but what does that mean in like an urban setting? That kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Just, just a thought for like reflavoring survival in an urban setting. There can be some, some interesting overlap there. Um, a note for survival. The druid craft cantrip is a surefire way to be consistent about producing effects and is easy to give a non-magical flavor to. Uh, so if you want to say like, if I'm trying to trick these wolves, like, yes, I just happen to have, you know, the scent of urine of a dire bear. Yeah. And my character can just produce that. And maybe if you're trying to say like, oh, this is a non-magical thing, it's not so much that you're casting Druidcraft, but you are pulling like a vial from your belt of just like mysterious ranger goods, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe instead of the magical plant growth, you pour like some kind of super fertilizer or something on your plant to make it grow faster. Yeah, exactly. Interesting survival check uh, that I would use for a non-typical item with a spyglass. I might allow a, a survival check to start a fire with that. With a spyglass? Yeah, you know, using sunlight to catch some tinder, that kind of thing. I might allow that yeah. as far as a non-typical item use. If if you can manage to get a hold of a spyglass, it will cost you a whopping 1,000 gold, Oof. according to the player's handbook. Uh, an interesting item that you can use uh, that's like still cheaper but crazy expensive is a 100 gold magnifying glass. There we go. Uh, which like, I mean, a trained elephant mount is like 200 gold. So you can either <laughs> have a trained elephant or two magnifying glasses. I don't know what's up with glass in D&D. The magnifying glass allows a closer look at small objects. It's also useful as a substitute for flint and steel when starting fires. Lighting a fire with a magnifying glass requires light as bright as sunlight to focus, tinder to ignite, and about five minutes to ignite, which means you can start a fire with a uh, sunlight spell if you have it. Uh, It also grants advantage on ability checks to check out small stuff, but really what it's about uh, is the fact that it's a surefire workaround for starting fires if you have a lousy survival skill because it's not a check, it just requires uh, components and time. Yeah. And a real-life pro tip is that you can run out of matches and lighter fluid, but you will never run out of sunlight. Uh, and magnifying glasses are actually tougher than you think, too, so it's good to keep one in your pack. Any any other notes or afterthoughts? Uh, how do you feel about survival as a whole? It's very useful. It'll make sure that your group doesn't starve if your DM is a big stickler on food mm-hmm. and water mechanics. I feel like I would love to play a hardcore survival 
campaign, but I don't know if that's the game my players want to play. It's like the play the game I want to play, you know? I feel like we have a little bit to an extent, but we've kind of overcome all of those obstacles rather quickly. Yeah, you know what? And and for that matter, I would say don't be afraid to be ruthless. Be a be a hard DM. Because the thing is if if your players are just like skating through the wilderness and like nothing's really a problem for them, like there's nothing memorable about that, right? Yeah. Make it a struggle for them. They might be like, man, this this like sucks. Like we trudged for like a week, you know, two weeks of like of just playing role playing us trudging through these swamps and like our encounters with like these like miserable things and like make it like this this miserable experience so that when they're done with it, they're like, oh, man, like it, it will contrast with the good times. You know, the players will look back and be like, man, like that sucked. Like that poison swamp sucked. And that's exactly how that should feel. And funnily enough, there's actually a game that I've been playing recently called uh, Hand of Fate. There's a food mechanic in the game that as you explore new spaces, you consume food and that heals you. But then when you run out of food you start taking damage, increasingly more damage as a starvation okay. mechanic as okay. well. So as a starvation really mechanic. In my game, I had a few characters and none of them took alchemist tools proficiency, right? And none of them were healers either. So I introduced a meat mechanic where you would make survival checks during a short rest to go out and do some hunting, provided you were in the right area. And the DC of that survival check would change depending on like the abundance of that area. But basically, if you successfully hunted, you would gather a certain amount of meat, you could cook that meat, and then make a medicine check to convert cooked meat into basically low health pots. It was it was just a way to provide a healing mechanic a healing mechanic yeah like an abundant healing mechanic that depended upon survival checks and then i was able to tie that into the lore of the game by saying that like healing comes from the cooked flesh of animals and and then i took it down a whole storyline with like a hag who used pigs that were fed human flesh in order to create more potent healing and presented a whole morality issue towards the party because of that like should should we take this better healing or should we like do something about this like it was very interesting uh but it was an opportunity to use survival to give it a role in a game that didn't have survival in it a lot because of its urban setting that sounds really awesome and that's a really interesting mechanic and way to work around a group not really having those healing mechanics on them yeah it it was just a way to compensate any final thoughts any other final thoughts I guess we've kind of reached the end of this. Yeah, this I feel like we've yet. covered everything pretty well. Those were the wisdom skills. Lots of uh, lots of juice in there. Kind of tricky to learn how to use the wisdom skills properly, but I feel like there's so much you can do because of their vagueness. There's a lot of creativity that can be applied to all yeah. of these skills. Yeah, and... I would say they're the most player skill dependent skills when it comes to like coming up with ways to apply them and whatnot. Absolutely. Well, join us next time on the Ad Proficiency Podcast when we cover the Constitution Ability Score and how it can be used like a skill. 